0: Welcome to the Get Over Yourself Podcast. This is Brad Kearns.
1: People still are thinking in terms of more is better. And they don't understand better is better. And bet and more is nothing more than a byproduct of better. Uh, Athletes who are doing the mobility work, athletes who are doing the nutrition. If you go look at the CrossFit Games athletes right now, you will not see any of these top 10 athletes not doing all of these things.
0: Hi, listeners. I am here to introduce an awesome, beautiful show with Brian McKenzie, known as the founder of the CrossFit endurance movement and doing his thing at his Power Speed Endurance new brand website. Incredible programming. I'm so happy to finally meet this guy in person and catch up with him. I've been fascinated with what he's been doing for many years since I picked up this amazing book that was shipped to our office. I don't know, was it uh, seven or eight or nine years ago called Power Speed Endurance? And it was the most thorough and mind-blowing book. Tome on athletic peak performance and training that I ever seen. I couldn't even believe it was written. Like every single page you flip to, it's just deep, amazing programming that was taking the the dialogue and the approach way beyond, especially for endurance athletes, way beyond the long, flawed, and dated notion of just doing mileage and more is better. So uh, he kind of emerged uh, back when he came to prominence as a controversial figure. Because people were seeing that he was trying to quote-unquote hack the traditional approach to endurance training and tell people that if they did a bunch of box jumps or loaded up a squat bar with weight, they could simulate what was going on at mile 20 of the marathon and power through the final six miles better than if they just upped their mileage like all marathon runners or triathletes seem to have been obsessed with for the past 40, 50, 60 years. Well, guess what? Now this stuff is really coming into prominence after Brian and others fighting that battle for a long time and fighting against the naysayers and the traditionalists. And now we're at a nice explosion of perspective where the comprehensive approach to athletic training with the flexibility and mobility that his sidekick, Dr. Kelly Starrett, is known for, and the explosiveness applied to endurance goals is being well, validated by science, and of course, all the case studies of people that Brian has been working with and people like him that he's trained and have embraced this new paradigm. So, to finally sit down with him, meet him in person was great because looking from afar, he's kind of come off as this controversial guy. And I think the media has uh, advanced this kind of uh, uh, perspective. There was an Outside Magazine uh, article back in 2013 titled, Brian McKenzie's controversial new approach to marathon training in the subtitle says, The mastermind behind CrossFit Endurance says, The best way to train for a marathon is to run less and torture yourself more in the gym. Well, not quite that simple. In fact, that's an oversimplified approach and a gut kind of uh, uh, recoil that a lot of the traditional endurance athletes had when this guy came on the scene. But guess what? It's now becoming very clear that chronic cardio is not only ineffective, but can destroy your health and mess up your heart. And it's also evident that endurance athletes are deficient in many areas, including that important factor of maintaining good technique while you're fatigued. And this is something that Brian's principles are fundamental to, realizing that, look, if you're running a marathon, for example, and your low back and your hip flexors blow out at mile 20, because you've probably never trained beyond 20 miles in training, but you do have to go 26 on race day, then guess what? Any energy that you have left in your body to produce your cardiovascular machine can still go That energy, a lot of it is wasted because it's going into the ground instead of generating explosive propulsive force with each stride as you might if you were able to preserve good technique through a more balanced and complementary training program that did have these features of explosiveness and balance. And also what's great about Brian is the recovery aspect is central to his theme. So you're not trading in high mileage for high intensity and blowing yourself out at CrossFit. And we know that the CrossFit movement has been duly criticized for the people that go in there with an overly intense approach and overtrain via CrossFit or overtrain via endurance. This is the evolved mentality of athletic training where recovery, breath work and breath control and the things that he's really big on now are central elements. How about cold exposure and heat exposure? You can find him on YouTube getting you all deep on that and also at his website with little courses and easy bite-sized entry protocols so you can get into this cutting edge stuff uh, from a remote location with all his offerings. Wow, you know, I've been done racing for 24 years now off the professional triathlon circuit and I really wish I could go back in time with some of these realizations and some of these cutting edge techniques and what I would do, Jeez! you know what? I'd slow down probably even more, honoring that Mafetone method where the low end aerobic training can produce great dividends without causing those hormonal and energy system stresses that put you into overtraining mode. I definitely would have added more varied and probably more frequent explosive efforts as advocated by Brian's work over the last couple decades and more mobility efforts, of course working with the bands and working with the stretch cords and working on my posture and my breathing, but most of all, more rest and recovery. So, so those are some of the great uh, takeaways that you will get from this show, the importance of recovery, how that represents the next evolution in fitness breakthrough. But interestingly, we don't just hit the nuts and bolts right away. We just had a great connection and we went off into kind of a uh, metaphysical and philosophical direction with the show. It started because, oh man, this guy is such a trooper. He had a severe accident and neck injury uh, only a month prior to the recording and he rallied. He agreed to meet me anyway. He was sitting there with a big giant smile with his neck and a neck brace. That's why his audio is perfect because he can't freaking move his neck. He's just speaking right into the microphone for the entire show. But what a great attitude and you could see the light and the warmth coming from him. This guy who's been positioned as the hardcore guy who's breaking the endurance concepts down, none of the sort. He's a really great, balanced, thoughtful guy. So we go off into different directions with the show and then we take it back to some of the great uh, practical techniques. So you'll get a whole bunch from this show. I especially love when he sprinkles in the dialogue with terms like mastery and had the epic quote, the epic pull quote for the show or he countered that more is better mentality by saying this maxim, which is priceless and you'll never forget it. <laughs> more is not better, better is better. Oh, yeah. So have a great time as I did with Brian McKenzie and go check out his work at powerspeedendurance.com. Here we go with the show. Brian McKenzie.
1: Yes. After Brad that turns. wonderful
0: introduction that I will record after the show. Because you're a good guy, man. Just to, to, to sit here with me with your neck in a brace. I'm, I'm sorry to see it, but you got a smile on. You're recovering. You're coming back strong. Is it? Do you want to talk about? It? Is it part of living life or, or what happened, man?
1: Um, well, yeah. It, it, it's obviously. I mean, being in a neck brace <laughs> changes things for people
0: who uh, are healthy. I guess we have the microphone positioned perfectly for Brian, yes. and you will not notice any change in his voice tone. None
1: a um, fixed position. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I, originally was playing tag with my nephews and, um, I was running up a ladder to jump onto a, a crosswalk on top of the, and, and there was a bar up top that I missed that I just didn't see. And I went directly into it with the top of my head and it oh. knocked me out. And then, uh, through that it, I compressed the discs at C three, four, which created a spinal contusion. So it bruised my spinal cord. So not only did I go out, but when I woke up on the ground, I I was paralyzed. Um, and so I just kind of was like, "Oh, life just kind of changed." And um, you know, I mean, I was pretty I was pretty scared at first. Um, but I thought no, you were unscared. Well, but, you, you know, know this will do it to y- you. Th- that that will do it. Um, you know, but you know, unscared I mean, is no more or less just the idea that you know. Uh, it's just another term for courage. I think, I mean, it's just like, Hey, like fear exists. It's, it's a part of life. It is what it is. Um, But instinctively what I did was I I just slowed down my breathing based on what I understand and and plasticity and kind of uh, PTSD stuff like that, because I knew that, you know, had I started to ramp my respiration rate up, um, started reacting poorly, started freaking out. I would have probably created a little bit more trauma or a lot more trauma centered around what was going on, regardless if I was going to walk or move again or not. Um, thankfully I, you know, within about five or 10 minutes, I was moving my arms. Um, about 30 hours later, I was able to move my. They, they wanted to see if I could walk, which was like, ba- I was basically, I looked like a baby. So you've got kids and it's like when your kids first learn to walk, that was exactly what I went through. Um, at about 30, 30 hours or so. Um, and then that took a, a day or so to kind of get better at um, to where I had clearance. Then um, I, I wanted to get out of that hospital because we have uh, medical, our medical insurance is through Stanford. So I mm-hmm. wanted to get down to Stanford Healthcare um, <clears throat> and talk to the surgeons down there. I talked to probably a half dozen surgeons and non-surgeons, orthos, about what I should be doing. Um, and it all came back unanimous that I did need the surgery, um, you know, and uh, talk to enough people to understand. So I had the sur- uh, surgery, a dis- uh, anterior discectomy on June 12th with a fusion of C3-4 because the disc would just compressed enough and still like there was enough, uh, th- they needed to create room for the spinal cord. So I was just a walking time bomb until that happened. And so that was where I was at. And yeah. then, um, so here I am. Here we um, are. This is and, a and month and anniversary, around. man. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Good job. Yeah. yeah. I'm here. All right. I, I'm happy to be d- doing this, working, do, walking around. Um, I still have some numbness in my legs. I mean, a spinal cord injury like that is pretty, like, it, I was, it, it did not, everything that came back from every person, every doctor that understood the, you know, the MRIs was like, we usually don't see people
0: get back up from this. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was, I'm pretty fortunate. So you think that uh, that acute time uh, does matter in terms of not going into panic and not sending the message, you're sending a message up your spinal cord. For I can only go with my
1: experience, but in what I have experienced and what I've seen with other people who do have acute trauma and do react very poorly to it, and including my, you know, I've reacted poorly to stuff before. We all have, Right. That creates micro. I think that that is part. it. now, this isn't the whole, tot- you know, the total thing that we could be looking at within PTSD. But this is a part of what post traumatic stress disorder is. Is I have a traumatic experience. I hit my head. I'm now, you know, and and this happens. And if I don't co- if I don't deal with this appropriately, I'm never going to walk away from that situation or a ser- or a similar situation without having complete fear wrapped around that or freaking out and with things like that. And in dealing with trauma myself, like we all deal with trauma, right? I've done enough therapy to look at, be able to look back at childhood and look, understand what sort of traumas I've had and why I've behaved the way I have. So I, I have some background in understanding these things, but to narrow that down to an instance to where my life changed instantly and be able to go, holy crap, like this is just another opportunity. This is something to kind of walk through and understand regardless if I'm moving the same or not. I mean, it, it's not going to matter. It, it, it's going to be what it is. So do I want to be more of a burden or do I want to be more of a, you know, somebody that's adding to the game, right? And those are just choices. And that's responsibility. And I think that's part of this
0: human experience. I mean, you read and hear a lot about people that uh, suffer misfortune and they they express these fabulous uh, perspective where they're Thankful to be alive in their in their debilitated state or whatever's going on, mm-hmm. and then we we compare that to the day to day complaining mm-hmm. and commiserating, and you know that the psychologists say humans like to commiserate. So we if we issue you complain about today's traffic on uh, in the Orange and San Diego County areas, mm. uh, I'll come in and say, "Sorry, I was late, man. The traffic was horrible. Oh, that sucks. Yesterday, I I, I missed my flight. You know." And we we, we take that angle mm-hmm. so so much more frequently than. Um, you know, this enlightenment that sometimes takes a whap in the head, I guess.
1: Yeah, and I Figuratively
0: don't, and literally. Totally. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it made me think about stuff like that, but it's like,
1: I, I think that's just part of a life at this point um, and where we're at with comfort and, and <laughs> what, what we've created. Like we get to be in cars and I can drive up from Mexico to Orange County to LA in a single day, which is something that, how long ago would that have taken
0: a week? <laughs> With, if, if the burrow wasn't too hot, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 At this time of year. Right. You know, I'm like, great. You know, we're, we're a little bit more advanced than that, but it is, we do find, unfortunately, I, I see even in my myself most of all, because I, I have to look there first. Um, but, you know, and people are nothing more than reflections of myself. And, and that's the way I look at it anyway. Anything I'm irritated at, you know, I'm, I know that there's a reason why I'm irritated that my own behavior to a large degree, but you know,
0: it's hold up a mirror. My cousin says, She's yeah. A therapist. Yeah. I'm like, well, wait a sec, hold up a mirror, yeah. hold up a mirror. And then, then you're, you know, you're all set. So it's it, man. Yeah. It's it. If
1: you, yeah. you know, it all comes back to you. And I think that where we are with, we get comfortable in something. We have to find something to complain about because we're not really, sur- we, we don't need to survive anymore. We, we, we've kind of mastered that here. So now it's like we're the living I mean we're living in a time where we've ha- where we've never had less war, we've never had more healthy people, we've never had it better um, yet we complain more about everything
0: <laughs> rates <laughs> like, of uh, depression dep- uh, uh, here we go anxiety yeah. uh,
1: you know this is going to um, be the biggest cause of yeah. death here in 2025 or something is is stress will be the biggest cause and this will be mental disease will be the biggest cause oh. of death
0: that's a stat that's that, going to that, surpass a, that, the uh, yes. eating donuts. You got it. To stress. Yeah. 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 Wow.
1: Yeah. And, and this is a self-inflicted time. But you know, Go back to Yuval Noah Harari, who wrote the book Sapiens. That, I don't know if you read that or not. It's a phenomenal book, but it's like we're the first time in our existence where we are create, self-creating disease and problem. And that, I think that when you can really wrap your head around that, that's where something like this is like, this is what it's like to be healthy and have a spinal injury and recover from it. I'm bored. (laughs) I want to do more than I should, you know? And, and I mean, I sat in that hospital and I was watching where drug addiction begins. People who just constantly are wanting their pain meds. When are they really in that much pain? And, you know, because I I understand the opioid process to a large degree, how that works, how the pain buffers out, how we're not even really, you know, and then we're shutting down more things. And then what, what chronic pain actually is. Chronic pain is nothing more than a, basically a mental disorder to a large degree. We're just telling ourselves we're in more pain. And we've, it's, it's kind of like a phantom limb syndrome to, which is fascinating, but this is where we get in this chronic stage of something. And we're dedicating area. You know, it's, I'm bored or I'm just not getting up and doing anything about it. And I'm feeling sorry for myself. And I'm like, you know, here I am. What am I complaining about? Yeah. I'm complaining about traffic, and this guy, like you know, whatever, yeah. has yeah. his daughter died or something happened terrible to him today. And yeah. how can you know we change that?
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I didn't get the promotion. Uh, yeah, I'm you know feeling uh, inferior in my in my teenage peer group. All, all that stuff is just just those thoughts that pop in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heavy stuff, man. We're we're off to a heavy start. Heavy start. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I appreciate your attitude, and um, yeah, you know. You're um, you're on your way back, so it, it, I would imagine that everything seems more will, will seem more special. The ordinary moments of life, yeah, having gone through something, yeah, yeah. You know, I asked Lance Armstrong that question uh-huh. uh, a long time ago before he got into scandal mode yeah. with Tiger Woods and all that. And um, I said, does uh, does having gone to hell and back, referring to his cancer treatment yes. and that whole you know brush with death, does that give you a more refreshed perspective or more appreciation for everyday life? And he goes you know, everyone's been to hell and back one way or the other. And it was like the greatest answer because it got me to think like, you know, you, everyone's been to hell and back. And we have that opportunity to wake up with a smile and say, hey, I'm, I'm here. And I think when you're at your lowest is the most difficult time um, to, to, to accept this advice coming through you on your, on your iPod or whatever you're listening to. Um, but that's when you need it the most. I, I, uh, I couldn't agree more. I, I think everybody's fighting their own war.
1: Everybody's in pain to some degree. Whatever. Um, everybody has the you know the ability to take responsibility for way more than they do. Um, and and oh, you mean instead of instead of make excuses or tell stories or point the yeah. finger, yeah, right? like oh you, yeah. and it's like no, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, hold the mirror up. Fault and responsibility are yeah. two different things, yeah. yeah.
0: Speaking of um, 2025, Deepak Chopra was on a podcast recently and he said, at our current rate of, you know, demise and collective dysfunction of society, uh, he thinks we're going to be extinct in 30 years. And that, that's a smart dude right there, mm-hmm. Given the warning out due to violence at all levels. And he called out, of course, you know, global violence with the nations, but also relationship violence and all the other places that you can describe violence that we don't usually, uh, usually consider. But then in the next breath, he said, you know, if this collective consciousness builds and finally we have the time to not go looking for food all day, we can survive, we can, uh, you know, think of higher concepts, maybe we have a chance to turn it around. That was his, that was his message that, mm. you know, we need to wake up. Yeah. So. I think, so when I hear
1: something like that, it's not that I don't agree with it, but I do think that what, what I do think of is, it's like a, you create a pill, right? For a disease, and you can't make everybody take that pill and not everybody's going to take that pill, right? But you know, you can't tell, like we all know, moving and exercising is a very healthy thing to do. Yet, not everybody does it. Why?
0: And it feels good immediately and, as well as long-term payoff. Right. So why? Right?
1: Why? And so I get it. It's a hard thing to start doing. And then we get, you know, and, and but I think back to kind of where I think about this is it's like nature has a way of thinning the herd and we, we whether we like it or not, our animals are a part of this system. And although we've removed ourselves from it a lot, yes, we're now inflicting disease upon ourselves. We're doing the thing, like maybe we're sending ourselves ready to just thin the herd somehow. I mean, it's a bit of a morbid thought, but it's also like can, can you save everybody? Can you help everybody? And not even Jesus knew he couldn't do that, right? I mean, like, hey, if you follow me, yeah. right? Or the Buddha, like, if you're yeah. going to follow this path, you can find enlightenment. But, you know, it, it, it's all, very, you know, I, I think we have our own way of it all figuring itself out at some point.
0: Well, I think about that <laughs> example with diet and the, uh, the, the, yeah. the criticism of, the evolutionary style eating where you got to go get grass fed meat and pasture raised eggs and organic produce. And then it becomes expensive and then literally unsustainable. If everyone switches over to grass fed and we need our cows grazing 800 acres of grass, um, it's not going to work. And so the population today, what is it? 7 billion or some crazy Mm -hmm. thing. um, You know, that's sustained by uh, nutrient deficient foods, just slamming them down people's mouths, even in the third world. And of course, in the, in the civilized world. Mm -hmm. So it's like, there's a great awakening going on, but it's only with 10% of the people, you know? Yeah. Oh, paleo effects was a zoo. You should have seen everybody's got Vibrams on and orange glasses. It's crazy. It's such a fad. And it's like, that's wonderful to see. And there's 2000 people walking the halls that have, have bought into, you know, the, the, um, the message and then, you know, tens and hundreds of thousands to millions, whatever the ratio is that are just still looking at the billboard thinking that they need to go buy Fritos and a, and a drink because of the marketing message with no other thought except for this tastes good, so.
1: Well, it's the same concept of why, why did we put health on top of the shoulders of the medical community? Right. How did, how did that happen? It, you know, it, it, like yes. the, the, that, that's a- that Power was,
0: structure or something. Yeah, but yeah. It, you
1: know, like that's not fixing, that's not the direction. I mean, you know, we've got to figure out ways of, you know, making this all work to some degree. And, you know, I think, I don't know. I, I don't have the answers. I know that.
0: <laughs> well, you guys are working on it. Doing we, we're good we're stuff. working on some stuff. Yeah, some for stuff sure. We're happening. trying to do our part. That, what's that is the, a fact. Um, what's the website <laughs> with all the offerings? The simple? PowerSpeedEndurance.com. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. PowerSpeedEndurance. When did that book come out? Uh 2010. Okay. So uh, we met in person today for the first time. Yeah, But in 2010, I met you because I was in the Malibu office of Primal Blueprint and everybody yeah. ships a book to us. Yes. and there's a big stack. And I just grabbed this big black book. I'm like, what's this? Mm-hmm. And it was absolutely mind blowing that in one book, like every page you turn to, you see these incredible insights that I'd really honestly never been exposed to even as a lifelong athlete and, and mm-hmm. elite level triathlete. All we did was like you know, strap up and go pedal or mm-hmm. run or swim, mm-hmm. and, and then get an injury and then rest and then come back and do it again. Mm-hmm. And so I was, you know, I, I was blown away, man. I got to tell you that eight years oh, later, I thanks. think you can still buy the book on Amazon. Yes, you can. <laughs> yeah. So as we as we dump, jump into the the fitness topic, yeah, um, how did this uh, how did this CrossFit endurance
1: uh, come to be? Well. Because it's interesting because I used to like to get on my bike and go out and run and swim for long periods of time. And Fuck up find, your neck doing
0: that shit, man. And
1: find my inner zen and just keep going and going and going until I broke. And then, you know, started asking some questions and people started saying some things that kind of made some sense. But I was a little resistance to resistance too. Um, and you know, I, I was fortunate enough to be surrounded by, well, to have pulled enough people into my network at the time to kind of say, Hey, I, you know, I'm, I'd like you to work with me or I'd like you to, you know, help me out here. Or what does this look like? And, you know, I, I started toying with things and it really became a concept of what, what is this quality over quantity approach? Why do we continue to be like, being in a professional triathlete or endurance athlete is like that. That's not even, I don't even know that that's 1% of the populace of, of, of even endurance sports. Right. Cause the vast majority of people doing
0: endurance sports are is so great at this point. Yeah. 20 uh, pros, 2000 people on the starting line. So that's. One tenth 10th of 1%. There you go. Yeah. Right. So. Oh no, that's 1%. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: So yeah. it, it, it's 1%, <laughs> but, but by a large majority, I mean, you've got well, a lot more people out there. And then you look at ultra endurance and what's going on there. And then, you, you know, whatever. Um, I just, there was nothing new that was going on. And, and I, people were busted up all over the place that I was looking at. Or and if they w- weren't it, busted
0: up, they look, they look terrible. Yeah. They have, like cranes on the bike. Yeah. Or what does Kelly Starr say? You look like you're taking a, a dog, taking a crap on the bike. A dog, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, a dog yeah. taking a crap. Like yeah. you look like a dog fucking a football, excuse yeah. me. But,
0: <laughs> um, you know, it, it,
1: it became obvious when I really started paying attention to stuff and, and just listening to what was ha- what was happening and by listening i meant performance and it was like hey i feel better oh hey i look better oh hey i'm imp- i'm performing better those are three variables anybody could agree besides on besides that
0: you're full of shit all that stuff you
1: know? yeah Totally. You know, and, and that's where the heat started to come on. And I started to realize I I probably had something (laughs) like, it was like, oh, I'm pissing some people off. That kind of comes with the territory. And these two
0: young dudes at Auburn CrossFit, uh, what's their names? Justin, I forgot their names. They signed up and did a 50-miler uh-huh. with zero training. Yeah.
1: Zero. I, by the
0: and, way, I've never advocated that. I've <laughs> yeah,
1: never. Everyone
0: was so pissed off. They're like, that's not fair. That's bullshit what you did. That's a disgrace to the sport of ultra running. Yeah. It was just the most hilarious reaction instead of like going, huh,
1: yeah. anyway. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, an ultra marathon for most people really isn't running. It's kind <laughs> oh, of a- ouch. Well, I, I've I've done it. Like, well, yeah. I mean, let's be realistic. How many? Like, for a hundred miles, if you're doing a thirty-hour, let's just call it thirty-hour ultra
0: marathon, that pace is not running. Which all the power to someone who complete a hundred miles. There, but just let's that get is that still
1: doing a hundred miles, yeah. and it is is an extreme thing to do. That like that doesn't take away from that. But what I'm kind of getting at is going back to is like, hey, what what are we paying attention to? How are you actually developing the level of getting there? And by the way, hey, that guy who's the marathon world record holder, what what was he good at? Where, Where did he start? Oh, weird. He was a 1,500-meter guy, or he was a miler. Oh, and, and he broke the world record there? Oh, weird. And then he went to the 5K. Oh, and he broke the world record there. Then he went to the 10K and almost broke the world record there. Oh, and then he went to half marathon. And this is over a career versus the vast majority of people were stepping into things and going oh I'm gonna do 70 miles this week or 60, 50 miles this week and I'm gonna start ramping it up. It's like you don't have any business doing it. we don't we, we, you don't have the movement patterns to be doing that you sit most of the day like yeah. you don't like like you're not your body and what happens when you actually do do a marathon? Is it an aerobic conditioning issue or is it actually a tissue issue. Does your tissue hurt? Are you breaking down? Like, are you in pain? Yeah, I'm in pain. Okay.
0: So what's the, what's the ratio? You think it's 99% people breaking down with tissue pain? Oh, the aerobic is even the, even the, this doesn't
1: take away from the fact that yes, you're going to need to develop some sort of aerobic capacity to do, to do an endurance event. That is absolutely factual, but If your tissue is what's breaking down, well, there's there's plenty of ways to develop the tissue in specific ways for that sport without breaking you down further to develop that tissue. So you can go out and continue to run longer, or we could go and do some specific movements that are going to develop the tissue to not break down, make it stronger. And yeah, you might put on a few pounds because you put on some muscle mass, but a few pounds versus holding up and recovering and rebounding quicker and not breaking down and not being a mess. I I don't know. I mean, it sounds like a win to me. It's not the only way to do it. And, and, you know, there's plenty of ways to go do things, but that was kind of what we stumbled on and people were having incredible results with it uh, across the boards. Um, thus it was all right off to the races. Let's start
0: putting some content out on this. Right. Right. Um, do you think it's, Individual, whereby someone's going to respond better to a certain uh, ratio of uh, intensity, explosive work to pure uh, aerobic mileage. Or well, is,
1: from what we understand from genetic testing now, yeah, certain people respond better. Some yeah,
0: what's don't. up with that? So I, I got my DNA Fit test. Yep. And you know, I'm, I'm nine years on the pro circuit. Yeah. Uh, training my ass off and constantly breaking down and behind my peers in terms of what I could bounce back the next day. Yeah. You know, these guys were machines, Mike yeah. Pig, Andrew McNaughton, yeah. you know, every day, going yeah. all day. Yeah. And I'd be like two days of that, like San Diego, the Tuesday run, the Wednesday ride, I'd yeah. go back to LA and sleep for three days while yeah. those guys were doing the next thing. And then I get my test here in 2016 as a as an old guy. And I was 56% strength power and 44% endurance. Mm-hmm. And it, it it was a, you know, if it's if it's legit, I'll ask you that. Um, that was a, that was a rude awakening because thinking back to what I did to my body, I was fighting against those genetic attributes, and I proved it on the race course because I was better at short distance. I was even better at sprint than Olympic. I just had power going up hills, and mm-hmm. then I go to Ironman, and it wasn't my thing mm-hmm. mentally or physically. I just couldn't do the training. I couldn't. I wasn't built that way. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd known that and maybe been able to modify due to that genetic factor. Hey, man. A skilled practitioner puts the Gaines Wave magic wand onto your magic wand. And after a series of six to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless, but extremely effective, you get real results. Gaines Wave reports an 80% success rate. It's a tune-up for your equipment. And while it's great for ED, Gainswave is for any man that wants to combat the effects of aging and get a little boost for your A-game. So please visit gainswave.com Brad, that's G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E dot B-R-A-D to find a practitioner in your area. And you can take advantage of my special promotion, buy six treatments and get one free. You have nothing to lose and lots to gain from gainswave.com brad greetings my fitness minded listeners I want to acquaint you with the primal fitness expert certification program the most comprehensive home study multimedia fitness education course in the world. If you want to enhance your personal knowledge of all aspects of leading a healthy, active, fit lifestyle, this total immersion course will be life-changing. I'm the lead instructor and author of the course, and we have 14 chapters of extensive written content with over 100 accompanying videos covering topics such as general everyday movement, including micro-workouts and dynamic workstation tips, the full experience of gym-based strength training and all the different modalities, a complete presentation, On all aspects of sprinting, both running and low impact options, an assortment of high intensity interval training and high intensity repeat training strategies, a detailed education on the principles and practical application of aerobic endurance training, and extensive commentary, the most you will find in any publication, on all aspects and symptoms of overtraining and burnout. We even have fascinating peripheral topics like integrating nasal diaphragmatic breathing, dynamic stretching, injury prevention, and developing a peak performance mindset. It's really something, this course. We went all out for over two years with a great team to develop this amazing home-based fitness education for you. And you get one-on-one expert email support and private Facebook group connection throughout your studies to ensure that you absorb everything optimally and you pass your series of exams and get certified so go to primal health Coach.com slash Brad to enjoy a very special limited time. And I'm not kidding. This is a big time discount just for you. 25% off your tuition. A fantastic premium offer at PrimalHealthCoach.com slash Brad for the most comprehensive fitness course you can ever find.
1: I, so I have some yeses and nos on this. I, th- I feel as though you can maximize, but the fact is, is so if we go and look at CrossFit, you look at something that took off like a rocket ship after it had been alive for probably eight years or something, right? Like it was just kind of floundering around. Greg was running around. They were teaching seminars. They were doing, it wasn't, they weren't doing great things. It was just, it was small. It was infant. But then when the masses kind of grabbed onto it, You saw it take off, and we have a couple of theories as to why it took off. One being the community, which is very simple to understand. Look at the running community. Look at the cycling community. Look at the triathlon community. These are things that gravitate people together, put them together, have them training together, doing things. Another component of that is that genetics thing. and If you look at the populace, only 10% of the population basically carry that endurance gene. The true endurance gene where they just have that natural, for it. Yeah, that can we that can just hammer. And I've got a guy who I actually Chris wellington,
0: you know.
1: For yeah, but, but I've got a guy who I've worked with for over a decade. His name's Mark Matiziak. He's an ultra guy. He does bad water, finishes in the top ten usually. He's he's I mean, he's finished in top five, I believe, before. Um, so he's an ultra guy, and he's actually an endurance responder. He's found that if he actually runs more than 20 miles, he has doesn't have the, the best effect that he can. Yet he still introduces strength and conditioning, but we found that it was only two days a week that somebody like him could respond to something like that. And if you go look at a guy like Dan Fath, who's out at Altus, who's one of the greatest coaches of our time, um, works specifically with track athletes, but he's worked with all athletes, he, he'll straight up tell you there are certain athletes that respond real well to strength and conditioning. There are, there are other athletes who it will ruin their career. Wow. And I've seen it happen. Wow. And so you have to look at what... I think there are very individual responses. I think you can take somebody like you and you can learn from what's going on. And had you been listening a little more, like, hey, well, maybe if I just kill... I go two days on, one day off, sleep, like, or how I'm chopping this up, I may get better responses, right? But Kelly Starrett, just so happens- Who that mofo? Yeah, just so happens, Kelly's kind of more of an aerobic responder as well. And here's a guy who went and squatted 600 pounds. Really? Um, Like, you know, he he, he looked at what he, after he got his genetics done, and he's like, I've been basically- a square peg trying to jam it into a round hole for the last decade. And I'm like, well, so what? You went and did some pretty big things. And, you know, sorry, he squatted 500
0: pounds and he deadlifted 600. I thought he was just a businessman. Yeah, I well, didn't no. realize he could do that. No, stuff.
1: and then, but he's also gone and he's done some endurance events and he's starting to do endurance stuff and he's starting to do these things. But it turns out, you know, being 237 or 38 pounds and doing these things comes at a cost. They give
0: a special medal at the yeah. Dipsy for the guy who improved the stairs by pushing in, the, right? the, pushing <laughs> the Redwood further into the ground so the, the rainy season will survive. And I signed him up for that race by the way, oh, so brutal. <laughs> it was. I mean, the, the downhills, the 140 the, pound runners will tell stories about the brutality of the downhills. And then you have this guy doing, he's doing the work of two people.
1: Yes, totally. Yeah. Totally. But you know, he. I, there are ways I think like, look, if you're really looking to maximize your potential, you're best not following a group program. <sighs> you should probably be listening to your body on how that responds. And 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 I think that's what elite most elite level athletes are doing is they're listening to their bodies. I mean, my wife has uh, two gold medals, phenomenal athlete. She was a rower. Um, she was the smallest in her boat um, and she always had a seat in that boat and she worked her brains out, but she would go, they would be doing 200 kilometers a week leading in the Olympics mm. and I mean, that's more than most marathoners are running in a in a, in a week,
0: right? 120 miles, in yeah, change. yeah, yeah. There's that's I mean, crazy yeah. in a boat,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. And they're in a boat. They're in a race that's taking them six minutes, seven minutes, yeah. right? So they'd be cracking, and she'd come home after three training. You know, they'd do three training sessions in a day sometimes. Come home, be in tears, just couldn't handle it. Th- and she, her mechanism for stress and overloaded, was sleep. Sleep for twelve hours. She'd wake up and her vitals would be perfect. I'd be like, "What in the hell?" I would be cooked for like three days, and I, you know, so she listened to her body and she would do what it needed to do. Other girls wouldn't; they would break. But Erin also, you know, prior to meeting Kelly and myself, needed tools because she was breaking ribs and and doing things that because she was in poor positions and not thinking about things in terms of, oh, I could utilize strength and conditioning and build my body up a little stronger, sit up more upright, you know, do things a little different. Oh, I could change my nutrition a little bit and I might rebound. I might get a period. Oh yeah. My period came back. And you know, it just so happens that most professional women athletes that I've run into that are in working sports think that losing their period is a badge of honor. And that is actually you learn learning that you're not functioning like an optimal human being now. Um, you're actually not hormonally functioning positive. So we taught her and many of the women around that site, around that area, those kinds of things and how to eat and what to do to buffer the training. And, you know, it was, it was, you know, it's, it's interesting because people aren't thinking like that totally. And, you know, it's old school thinking that's out
0: there and, you know, it all changes. So. Yeah, team sports, man. It's tough because you're you're obligated to be part of the program. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I, my son went through intense high school basketball experience. Four years practicing three hours a day yeah. year round. Instead of class, you had to take the, the PE class, and all they did was just bang it every day. Yeah. And and were you know did quite well. But then, what was the next level that was possible? If if you know, Kelly says uh, 15, 25 percent of your workout time as an endurance athlete should be devoted to flexibility, mobility. And mm-hmm. now people are getting their calculators out like, holy shit, you mean, wait, wait, a two-hour run? That's 24 minutes of, you know, uh, I'm backing off my mileage. How, that's going to be terrible, but it hasn't caught on yet. But they uh, don't, widespread. people
1: still are thinking in terms of more is better. Right. And they don't understand better is better. And, bet, and more is nothing more than a, <laughs> but then a byproduct of better. And if you can't connect those dots, like, look, athletes who are doing the mobility work, athletes who are doing the nutrition, if you go look at the CrossFit Games athletes right now, you will not see any of these top 10 athletes not doing all of these things right now. Right. There's no way to hold up in a sport like that. There's absolutely no way. You will break, because of the sheer amount of work you're doing over – Different modalities, right, right? Right. So
0: you're gonna break. You have to. Be- <laughs> that's the the goal of the the games is to see who is the strongest, right? It doesn't break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you I mean know.
1: that's that's really turned into an endurance event. Is all it is. I mean, it's a multi day yeah. event. Sure, there is some heavy lifting in it. But the fact of the matter is, is it's just constant on it's, it's suffering. It's the ability to go and think what I have to do in order to win this workout or finish well on this. And how do I attack that? And, you know, Oh, there's, they've got a bike this year that's showing up, you know, and it's got clip ins and all these guys are like, Oh my God. And I'm like, a clip-ins? What are you talking about? That's a, that's a bonus, my yeah. friend. Yeah. Like you, you, you know, you're, you're going to get some relief because of that. And then, but they don't know how to do that. So there's a skill component that these guys all need to learn, right? Oh, yeah, that's going to be fun. <laughs> now the
0: pedals keep your keep your pelvis flat. Yeah, uh, you know, don't shake around. I have to say, I I, um, I disparaged the athletes at my first uh, sight of the CrossFit Games. I'd never been, knew uh-huh. nothing about it. Mark Sisson took me over there. Yeah, and I saw the muscle up. Biathlon. Yes. So you do 10 muscle ups, mm-hmm. run a 200 meter circuit up the stairs around the stadium, down the stairs. And we were right on the, the running course. Yeah. And these guys were barely moving. They were oh, exhausted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I went to Mark. I go, What's up with this, man? These guys can't even run 200 meters. What? And Mark's like, You ever done a muscle up? I'm like, No. Well, what's a muscle? You know, never done it. <laughs> so then in the expo area, yeah. they have the rings and you come try a muscle up. Yeah. And there was no way I was getting up for one. <laughs> and it was exhausted jumping down. I'm like, Okay, much respect. Yeah. Respect. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But the endurance part, I didn't think about that since it's a multi-day event. I mean, you know. Oh, the, it's
1: an endurance sport. Yeah, it's, it's,
0: it, it, it's to come, come back and do that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And they're smart. They're, all these kids are doing endurance work now too. They're
0: specific work for endurance, you know, smart. So with your endurance population, uh, the, the people you're working with buying into this new idea, um, it entails a big transition in mentality to not think more is better anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and how does the how how does that go if someone's open to new ideas and trying something new, like getting into the gym for the first time? I
1: I think it really it it gives possibilities to somebody right um, versus. You're getting out of the monotonous, like, I just need to go get my mileage in or do what I'm doing. It's, it's giving you new opportunities and understanding your body. It's giving you new opportunities and understanding how you should be moving. Oh, you're limited in a specific way. Uh-huh. I suck at this. Oh, it turns out I can't do a muscle up, which is something that, you know, um, not too long ago, most human beings could do <laughs> at any point. And because you yeah. needed that sheer strength to be able to get up a tree or get up a mountain or climb something in order to get away from something, right? Um, and, and sure, yeah, we're way, we're way beyond that now. But it's like, are we? Do we want to be? Um, and I'm not saying everybody needs to learn to do a muscle-up, but um, I, I think it creates more opportunity for people. And, and it's just another thing that you can look at in terms of doing something a little differently. And, you know, I, I, one of the big things we talk about is mastery and learning to do something one way can make you a master in that one thing, one way.
0: I'm good at running a really slow marathon, shuffling the last seven miles. Now, what's it like
1: to run a 5k at a blistering pace and that's kind of what we're like i my my job over the last 15 20 years has been to do something and then go back to the beginning and deconstruct and start over again with a new way of doing that or looking at it and our what we're currently that's doing That's
0: a good quote for the show right there man. Might I think be. you. Nailed that. Love <laughs> that. Yeah. That's your job. We need you.
1: Well, we we need a lot more there's we need a lot more than me. But I think, you know, thank you. But you know, and and right now the paradigm we're in is we're looking at breathing Mm. and what breathing's doing. And now we're looking at how people are breathing, not only in performance, but in everyday life. And what does that mean? And we're now starting to understand the interconnectivity of the brain and respiration and how that is absolutely a part of the your your respiration is a part of your central nervous system. In fact, we believe it's the remote control. Um, there, your emotions, your pain, your muscles going to work, um, stress of any sort. There are dedicated respiration patterns that go off the moment those are happening for, on an autonomic level. So, if I'm not thinking about it, if I'm unconscious about this. These are things that are happening. But if I become conscious of it, and this is what I kind of alluded to when I had the accident, was I instantly went back to training I've been doing over the last five, six years, right? Where I'm like, I know that if I slow the respiration rate down, I'm not going to spin myself out. I'm not going to drop. I'm not going I'm, I'm to put myself into this more sympathetic dominant tone that I'm already probably in because I'm in a life-threatening situation. Thus... I'm giving myself more of a peripheral vision, I'm giving myself more of a, a a tone to learn from this and understand this in a more clear creative fashion. And that might sound a little odd in a life-threatening situation, but the fact is is that is how we learn. Is you go through a very stressful situation and then you need to pull back and be able to go, "Oh, what was that? Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. that made sense." It's, you know, if you go watch the action sports community, you'll see skateboarders and, you know, like I've worked with, I've worked with a lot of skateboarders and professional surfers and big wave surfers, and they just keep going and going and going. And when they're failing, 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 and then all of a sudden, boom, they get it once and it's, they've calmed down. They've let go. They've repeated something enough to where they've stressed themselves out enough to where they let go or they show up the next day and it just happens. And these are very interesting things. If you look at sports like action sports, I mean, how much has surfing changed in the last 20 years? How much has skateboarding, snowboarding, skiing changed in the last 20 years? You can't really put statistics on what they're doing rotationally and, and all of these things with the tricks. You go back and look at where that started and you're going, oh my God, you go look at running and you know, you'll go look at working sports. You know, rowing, the times aren't that different. They haven't made that big of a change. And so when we start looking at things like that, what are they doing? And obviously, there's very different things at work here, but what's happening with these athletes versus the other? And so, you know, this is all part of what we're looking at with even the brain and even respiration, breathing, how it correlates, how it works together, what we can do to help reset or give people tools to use in real time or in time of pre-training, post-training, competition, Mm. all of that, and what what it can do.
0: Well, you know, I'm a big speed golfer, and like the message of that sport is that it's the ultimate Zen sport because you're moving quickly, Mm -hmm. and you're you're taking yourself out of that overly analytical mindset and all the stress that comes from hitting a bad shot and ruminating on it for the next seven minutes and Mm -hmm. getting tense and thinking too much about your technique because you're just running up to the ball and hitting it. Mm -hmm. And the insight that participants get is they play as good or better than when they're deliberating for four hours with all their clubs. You know, we're running around with a handful of clubs and hitting these crazy half shots and things like that. But it's like you, you, you tap into that zone that you're talking about where the guy that wants to do the, the McTwist 780 with a, another gainer at the end, mm-hmm. they got to be accessing another peak performance state because it's just, it's too insane and too dangerous. But they, you know, they, they pull it off and they continue to progress the sport. It, it's phenomenal.
1: And they look like they're playing.
0: Right. They're in that... <laughs>
1: Speed golf. Yeah.
0: Usain Bolt. Skateboarding. Yeah. 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 Everyone thinks he's just a clown at the starting line. And I'm looking deeper and going, okay, this dude's the fastest human that's ever been on the planet. Mm -hmm. The most consistent champion Mm -hmm. by far. Mm -hmm. Not a flash in the pan. Mm -hmm. And then you read his autobiography and he's saying, yeah, I'm I'm really lazy in training. And my coach is always getting on me for for bagging workouts. And I, I like to party and dance in Jamaica. And, you know, this is like the gospel that... We're gonna find out in 20 years' time, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's he's showing us right now that being lazy is okay. It's probably where he gets his advantage from the NCAA division one runner who's gonna do the relay also. And then he pulls his hammy and all that all that mindset about the endurance athletes to still have that collective mentality that they want to suffer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I think as a society, you know, we've learned that we've we or we've not learned, we've forced ourselves into this thing that suffering is something we need to do and that's an option.
0: Hey man, I mean that's an option. It's okay. We don't want to judge it and if your life's super easy and you're you're living on the beach and you're, you know, get food delivered to you or whatever, then go out and do the the barbed wire race or or sign up for a long distance event, but if you want to do it right and get all that value and that personal growth out of it, I mean that's kind of, you know, my message on the show, get over yourself. It's like, you know, yeah. there's another route here. Oh yeah. Yeah, it can yeah. be probably way more fun.
1: Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I think it really, it t- we take on a, it becomes our being doing these things, you know, Um. you know, and it's not even our profession. This becomes our, you know, we, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's what, it's your path. I mean, I was my path. <laughs> I mean, I was doing triathlons. I did Ironman. I did ultra endurance. I, you know, I did these things and I took on an identity with it and I took on this thing with it. And, you know, it's like, is this really what I do? Is this really what, what am I? And I couldn't get over the fact that everybody would always be like, look, what are you running from? And I'm like, what are you talking about? The starting
0: line, you idiot. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What are you talking about? And then it finally hit me one day.
0: Oh,
1: <laughs> I'm just, you know, for me, it was, oh, I wasn't really getting into life. I really wasn't. And that's not life is going, you know, for me, it wasn't just going out and doing all this, regardless of, you know, if you're Dean Karnazes or not like Dean, that's what he loves to do. And I He's a good friend of mine. I've spent time with him. I've paced him through bad water. I've, you know, I've, I've run with him down the coast. I've done a lot with him. I've spent time with him. He love that is what he does. And I think he's one of very few people who's really made that this is what a career looks like in this, a, a lifetime in it. And I enjoy it. And, um, you know, I get paid to do this and I'm not the best. And that's great. You know, like that's phenomenal thing. I don't take anything away from that, but that's Dean. And, you know, it's like, what, what are we, what are we really doing? And is there another path? And is there another way to understand this? And, do you want to understand it a different way? You know, you look at things like the Bruce Lee concepts or, you know, you look at the things like martial arts and it's like, there's a reason why there's a belt system and there's, you know, like why people are respectful to each other and, you know, you don't, you know, it's like there's a whole thing of mastery set up through these processes that a lot of our sports today, I think really miss, you know, and um, we miss opportunities on, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, I, I used to put on a half Ironman triathlon for 10 years. Uh-huh. And, you know, the emails and the personal interactions I'd have on race day were mainly a massive collection of uh, fears and anxiety and stress. Wow. And I realized it was part of the journey. And it's yeah. okay because, like, if you're just watching, you're bored, you're going to play on your phone for four hours, and then your, your boyfriend's going to come in, you're going to cheer for 12 seconds and go. So, you know, it's okay to get wrapped up like that. Mm-hmm. But then I think if you get further down the line, you examine whether it's giving you a healthy payoff to your life. Yeah. Um, sometimes the answer is, uh...
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, it was like, is this healthy payoff, like... So that I can eat crappy food, <laughs>
0: no shit, right man. No like shit. literally, I watched yeah. this,
1: I did this, I watched yeah. this today. I, I mean, yeah. I see all of this stuff so that I can eat like crap so that I can you know do avoid this, not have to do that, like you know, it was just, oh, okay <laughs> yeah. what what relationship
0: <laughs> yeah, and are you okay uh you know with failure and setbacks and, and performing under expectation as a growth experience? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I talk my friends, my son through some difficult basketball experiences, yeah. and I say, "Hey, man, you guys got your ass kicked. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, fantastic that experience. Is. What? Uh, but you know, if, if you're just sailing through life, uh, dude, that's, that's so good. That's tough.
1: I love that. That's tough. I love that. Failure is just so important. It's so important. And you know, unfortunately, we don't. I don't think enough of us learned that
0: early enough. I didn't. <laughs> I guess Tiger Woods didn't either. No. Right? I yeah. did in every single way. And, and then until the train wreck.
1: Well, maybe yeah. not. Maybe this was, you know, supposed to be the
0: way isn't That's he, right. That isn't he destiny. doing isn't he yeah. doing
1: well right He's now? He's doing
0: great. It's incredible. Yeah. Especially that, you know, so many surgeries. Yeah. But if you look at that journey where, you know, he was he was constantly fiddling with the swing and yeah. unsatisfied I all of it. And, and needing to suffer and struggle and go join Navy SEALs and jump out of the plane. And um it's strange because it definitely wasn't enough just to be the best golfer in the world and the best athlete of all time in many ways, in my, in my eyes. Yeah. He was, he was tormented in in certain ways. Maybe who knows why, maybe it was too easy or just, he didn't have the proper perspective to appreciate the journey along the way. You Mm -hmm. know, if he's not signing autographs or smiling and the next guy's staying for two hours to sign everybody's hat, maybe that's a a checkpoint that, you know, not, not that athletes are obligated
1: to spend their time, but
0: yeah, you can see these glimpses of- Yeah, uh, but
1: uh, you'll you look at somebody like Ronaldo. I mean, I don't know if you watch soccer, but I mean, the note he just wrote to his team and the fans, and he left Real Madrid. Wow. Like, it was unbelievable. He thanked everybody and like, including the president who he didn't get along with, and he didn't burn that bridge. And did you see that with LeBron? Ooh. Do you see that with the players in, like of today- and it's like you just don't see that stuff and it's like really you want to live your life like that like i i'm not even a big soccer fan anymore but and i'm not even the biggest ronaldo fan like i felt like he was a kind of a little too cocky but that note made me think like that's a leader yeah. that is somebody who is actually who loves what he's doing he really does love what he's doing why would he that that that's the you know where you're looking at somebody who wants to finish his career in la and it's like yeah, I've got a, I've seen a picture of magic running through Vegas with, you know, Madonna, Prince, Jack Nicholson, blah, 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 you know, all these stars behind him as he's running through Vegas. And I'm like, there's one reason why people come to finish their career in LA and, you know, whatever. I, I mean, I'm speculating <laughs> and all the, all the Laker fans are probably going to hate me at this point, but it's like, you know, it, and I'm, I'm harping on somebody like LeBron who I don't even know. And I don't, you know, wh- but this is part of this thing we see with, you know, is what's your process? Are you, do you care about what you're doing? Yeah. Or is it just about the paycheck and how much you're
0: making and, you know, or just about winning it's <clears throat> or winning same sort of um, checkpoint for reflection?
1: Yeah. Well, it's, i I've seen yeah. the, uh, there's this kid who's uh jujitsu and he's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to bring his name up, but he's this phenom. He's now a purple belt and he's, double gold and as blue, you know, as a white, um, like he's going to be this big, big thing. And he's, just, and, you know, his whole thing is, I just want to win everything. And it's like, okay, <laughs> what happens when that happens?
0: Yeah. Then what?
1: Then what? Yeah. yeah.
0: So we get these endurance athletes that are going to uh, make, make a commitment to a transition and they're going to lower their precious volume and mileage. Um, is this something that you can preserve... More easily than we think. Your your base, in other words, I
1: I, I feel yes. Um, I, I don't feel. I, I mean, I've seen
0: it. <laughs> um, I've, I've I've experienced it myself, and, y- and even in recent years. Well, you know, I mean, let's like-
1: be let's be clear. Your VO two max isn't achieved by doing seventy percent of it, right? <laughs> so, you know, sure, you can you, you can. Um, I I think I. I Look, if you're training and if you're doing things, there's no reason why if you're not consistent in a manner that you're getting response out of it. It's just being able to figure out where that response is. What does adaptation mean? Where are you getting it? And are you willing to play around with that enough? Or do you need somebody to tell you what to do all the time? Um, I don't think enough people get into feeling. Um, you know, and this was the third, third book I did with, uh, Dr. Andy Galpin, which was unplugged. Um, and this was about fitness technology and where it's headed and everybody's so addicted to this stuff. And I, I use a lot of different technologies to understand stuff, but it's like, so I, you know, I, I once had a, an athlete who, um, you know, he, he kept looking down at his heart rate monitors. We were doing a run and he's like, dude, we need to slow down. I'm going to blow up. Dude, we need to slow down. I'm going to blow up. I'm like, well, what's the number you're going to blow up at? It's like 166. And I'm like, where's your heart rate? He's like, 164. And I'm like, do you think you'd be talking to me right now if you were going to blow up? And it was just this thing that went off in my head. It's like, I I don't think we're connecting the dot of what that place you're supposed to be at or feeling is, is. And if you're doing something that's long and slow that should be at a sustainable pace that is for long and slow. If you're doing something that's you know 15 minutes, that should be at a pace you should be doing that's supposed to be for 15 minutes, right? Or, and what does that look like? If you're supposed to be at your lactate threshold, what does that feel like? Do you know what that feels like? And, and you should have markers and parameters that are set up around things like that to understand that and sure heart rate's one of those, respiration rate's gonna be another one. So what's happening with both of those things? And then what do you feel when you're there? You understand what that feeling is and you understand how long you can be there or when you've gone past the time that you can't, you know, and, and, you know, I, it's just interesting because I think we, we just start to fall off and we don't want to pay attention anymore. And we just want to go and do something and
0: outsource totally. Yeah. Or,
1: or, you know, Hey, maybe I just want to go up into the mountains and go for a hike and not have to worry about it. By all means, you should be doing that. I do. I, I, we go and hike all the time and I don't think about any of this stuff, you know, but if I'm in the gym or I'm doing interval work, I know what I'm doing at specific ranges in order to achieve specific physiological reactions out of those. And if I'm doing my job or what I'm trying to achieve, I should be getting response out of that so that things are improving along the way. And there's no reason why you can't continue that process throughout your life.
0: Yeah. I guess if you have these metrics that you know what it feels like to run at 164 or to load up the bar with 180. In my uh-huh. case, in my hex bar, I'm up to 180 now. Listeners. All right, uh, that's good. If I feel like crap on a certain day and I know that my usual baseline sensation when I lift six reps of a certain weight is, is not happening, that's going to be an opportunity to, to, to make a decision.
1: Yeah, and, and hey, if I, can't, you, if I can't lift my baseline or I can't do my baseline, whatever that is, right? On a specific day, what is that telling me? Probably not ready to be doing that again. Right. I'm probably not recovered enough. You know, and why do why do anabolic steroids work? Well, they shorten that recovery window. EPO. Yeah. Yeah. They shorten all that stuff up, right? And so yeah. it makes it so it's really easy. So if you're not actually getting the recovery to do it and you're not using, like, let, let's talk. I mean, that's really where, I, you know, I, we believe that the future of human performance is literally in the recovery. It's in the brain and in the recovery. That's it. We're, we're, we have been screwing around with everything, but like physical exertion and work that we could for a hundred years now. And it's not really getting any more, you know, unique it's not really that, 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 whole, that thing's not really, it, it's now going to become individualized recovery protocols. What am I doing? What am I using some sort of respiration rate in order to get myself down into a more of a parasympathetic tone quicker? Am I using heat? Am I using ice for another stimulus to drop me, to bring me up to drop me out? Am I, you know, sleeping? Am I taking a nap? Am I, you know, what fluids am I, am I hydrated enough? You know, like all these things start to play. Well, how many hours of sleep did I get? You know, what was my sleep score? You know, I had to get rid of one of those things because it was just like I was too concerned with my sleep score. And I'm like, why would I go to just go sleep?
0: Greetings, my fitness minded listeners. I want to acquaint you with the Primal Fitness Expert Certification Program, the most comprehensive home study multimedia fitness education course in the world. If you want to enhance your personal knowledge of all aspects of leading a healthy, active, fit lifestyle, this total immersion course will be life changing. I'm the lead instructor and author of the course, and we have 14 chapters of extensive written content with over 100 accompanying videos covering topics such as general everyday movement, including micro workouts and dynamic workstation tips, the full experience of gym based strength training and all the different modalities, a complete presentation on all aspects of sprinting, both running and low impact options, an assortment of high intensity interval training and high intensity repeat training strategies. A detailed education on the principles and practical application of aerobic endurance training, and extensive commentary, the most you will find in any publication, on all aspects and symptoms of overtraining and burnout. We even have fascinating peripheral topics like integrating nasal diaphragmatic breathing, dynamic stretching, injury prevention, and developing a peak performance mindset. It's really something, this course. We went all out for over two years with a great team to develop this amazing home-based fitness education for you. And you get one-on-one expert email support and private Facebook group connection throughout your your studies to ensure that you absorb everything optimally and you pass your series of exams and get certified so go to primal health coachcom slash Brad to enjoy a very special limited time. And I'm not kidding. This is a big time discount just for you. 25% off your tuition, a fantastic premium offer at primalhealthcoach.com slash Brad for the most comprehensive fitness course you can ever find. I'm pleased to present B-Rad grass-fed whey protein isolate Superfuel, the absolute highest quality all-natural protein supplement infused with creatine that delivers everything you need to optimize your appetite for fat loss, recover quickly from workouts, and build and maintain lean muscle mass, the single most important attribute for aging gracefully. Our protein comes directly from small family farms in America's dairy land of Wisconsin. It's cold processed and micro filtered for maximum bioavailability and digestibility. So please don't mess with the many cheap commodity protein supplements that are ineffective, inferior, less pure and often contain junk sweeteners especially the plant-based offerings that are vastly less bioavailable than the gold standard of protein supplements that's whey protein isolate. Whether you're in your peak athletic years looking to grow and recover or in the older age groups trying to delay aging and decline, whey and creatine are widely agreed Or you can order direct from bradnutrition.com with our buy three, get one free, and make the SuperFuel a centerpiece of your daily routine. Wake up, I can tell you my sleep score because my exactly. eyes feel it or they, they feel great or they feel baggy. You know? Exactly. I yeah. mean,
1: what do you feel like when you wake up in the morning? If you're not on it, like there's something going on, yeah. you know? So yeah, I, I really think it's in recovery. It's come, that's the future of what we're doing.
0: Yeah. Maffetone said to me on a video uh, that you know, this, he's obsessed with this 159 thing. He wrote a book about the 159 marathon and how mm-hmm. it's going to be by a barefoot runner because they're better than any shoe. But he also said that it'll come with a runner who's doing less mileage and less intensity than today's top marathoners. I, so so you're, you're, I, you're slamming two doors that everyone's thinking, well, yeah. they're running 140 a week now. So if they get up to 175, they'll break two hours and um, it's an interesting way to think about it.
1: Well, I I, I heard I once heard that Jack Daniels asked a room of
0: runners. Jack Daniels, the exercise physiologist, yes. noted noted guy who yeah yeah uh, uh,
1: where he has two different groups of runners. He offers them up two different programs. One is the over hundred miles a week program, and one is like and I'm I'm getting this a little bit wrong, but one's under like forty miles a week program show of hands on who wants the over hundred miles a week program. And almost all the hands will go up, but you'll get the same results.
0: <laughs> Guaranteed with the most exacting that, science that anyone can on. that's what, runners. yeah. And, and, you know, and
1: it's like, Oh, that, that's, that's the human condition.
0: Yeah. I think uh, in, in my career, me and my peers, I think we, we screwed this up because we looked at it as this simplified, oversimplified uh, base versus intensity. And should Mm -hmm. we, should we up the intensity and go do the box jumps and the weighted bar or um, do more mileage? Or even, yeah, or even some
1: skill development there, right? Like on top, you know, layered in there. One-legged
0: pedaling and things that we didn't pay attention to. Yeah. 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 So that, that was the first mistake was like seeing it as this either or, and possibly it was like Maffetone says, just resting more would have been, you know, transformational. Yeah. And then still keep, you know, this was Sisson's message to me when I, I had my best exercise was just judge yourself by your best workout of the week. So go do that eight hour bike ride on Tuesday, but don't worry about coming back and swimming 30 minutes on Wednesday and, and jogging a, a quick 20. And then Thursday going for two hours, easy spin, you know, cause we were programmed that we, we want to have that satisfaction of keeping to a schedule. Mm-hmm. But it's like, just throw down on people when that day comes and then uh, go, go on a siesta and, and watch videos. And so when I literally increase my account membership at the VHS store that's how you know where I'm, I'm dating myself now yeah um, that's when my performance took off yes well that, it's
1: that's great I, but I you know I do think though I mean it, it's like you the, you get somebody off the couch for the first time more is better only because more you're doing something right you're doing something for the first time so we need to get you doing more it's you know, and, and look, if you're a beginning triathlete, a triathlete or a beginning runner, yet more is going to be better in the beginning phases of this, but get better at it, get, get better mechanics, you know, get better, you know, you should be sleeping better. You should be feeling better throughout the day. You should be becoming more mobile. Like, you know, these are all things that should be happening. And if those are things that are starting to deteriorate, then we're, you know, you've got a problem. And it's like, I think once we're past that point of, where we've done enough, it's then time to start to introduce that quality and rest to a large degree and so that we get that
0: rebound effect. Well, it's like the amenorrheic female. She's headed down a road to maybe some wins mm-hmm. and then a drop off the edge of the cliff. Yes. And I think we get fooled by that because we get <laughs> so enthused at the start and we up our mileage and we set a PR and then another PR. And then we think we are own the world and then wonder why. Debbie Potts is a podcaster up in Seattle and she did... Mm. 12 Ironmans, including six Hawaii in eight years or something. And then she went out for a 50-mile bike ride and made it halfway and pulled over to the curb. And she was completely broken. And she spent the last three or four years deep dive into functional medicine, just trying to feel better. Yeah. It just just ended in a snap of the fingers. That's a pretty dramatic example, but we have attrition rates in these sports. Something's happening where you got your finisher medals up there from doing some marathon with a group training aspect like you recommend against because they're yeah. going out there and pushing everybody at the same workout, yeah. working really well for the 3% fittest people and the rest of them are getting overstressed.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean look at how Dave Scott's training people now. I mean, he's- How's he training people? It, it, he's using this concept. He's using this very concept of more is not better. You know, he's got athletes overhead squatting now. He's doing more interval work. He's going
0: keto now, man. He's
1: he's full blown. And now, you know, I mean, here's the other side of the spectrum is it's like, okay, I mean, I played in this world for a long time and it's like, it doesn't always work for everybody long-term, you know? There's very few people. And, you know, Sisson can probably agree with this, that long-term ketosis is probably not the best thing for somebody who's doing a lot of intense or even long work, you know, um, that can end up having detrimental effects for some people. Um, I've seen it, but that doesn't mean it's not worked for some people. It has. And there are things that were, that being a vegan, like that can be very awesome for a lot of athletes. Um, But, you know, it's not, I've seen it destroy some athletes. Um, You know, the same goes for eating like crap or eating high carb or eating low carb or eating, you know, medium carb or eating lots of protein or, you know, little, I mean, you go look at bodybuilders. You know, there's Bronny Coleman. I mean, you, you see this in every sport. I mean, this guy was the eight time, you know, yeah, Mr. Google li-
0: that dude. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, and there's a documentary on him now. And it's unbelievable because the guy's fighting to walk again. And that is like, you want to take yourself to the limit. You just need to understand what the limits are, you know? Um, what was he doing eating junk
0: food or something no 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 But he's overtrained himself I mean you've got a
1: 300 pound man who had 4% body fat and would train you know out train anybody you know he'd be in the gym for hours a day and he was massive and he's had to have multiple spinal surgeries and things because he's just destroyed his body and now he's fighting to walk again and you know it's it's sad but it's also like he's still got the fight in him and he's like Uh, I'm gonna do this new battle yeah new battle um you know, and I've seen all this stuff with the endurance, you know, stuff years ago. People hated
0: me and a lot of people did not like me because of what I was talking about. And yet I hear- heard your ritual podcast from several years ago where you yeah. guys got into it with the the warring factions of the traditional endurance training with totally you, you telling me to jump up on boxes instead of go for another fifty miler. Yeah. It was very entertaining. Yeah. But it was, you know, super thought provoking too. I'm not I'm not yeah. making making light of this, but it's like we gotta we got to see where we fit into that picture and test things out Mm -hmm. and be open-minded. And that's how you, that's how you progress. Yeah,
1: absolutely. No. And I commend Rich. I mean, he, he loves what he's doing. He He does great at what he's doing. Um, and he responds well to what he's doing in that specific thing.
0: Right. There's that genetic, I mean, there's, I've heard some argument, I'm not taking a position here, but, um, a certain set of genetics will thrive on a vegan diet. I don't know what percentage it is. It could be seven or 12 or yeah. 14%. And yeah. then the rest of the people may thrive for a year because they stop going to Burger King and and, and donut land. Mm-hmm. And then they'll start to develop uh, deficiencies like like you mentioned. That's, mm-hmm. not a, that's not a rip against a vegan diet. It's just nope. an encouragement to be I've, open-minded and explore.
1: I've tried vegan diet and it did not pan out. It, I did not. It did not go well. Now that Vegan community, I'll probably go. Well, you probably didn't do it right. <laughs> it's like, well, maybe I didn't, but
0: whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, you didn't take your twenty-seven supplements. I've every- done.
1: I've been involved in the paleo community. I, you know, I've done the low carb. I've done high carb. I did high carb. I was a high carb
0: athlete. You know, like. You know, I've done- Sponsored by, this episode. sponsored by (laughs) Goo and Gatorade, Brian's one-two punch for success. (laughs) Power, strength, endurance, and a few sugary products. I find it very interesting that people who are willing to go down
1: and fight for a way of eating or training or doing, and yet have only experienced really one or two things. And I'm not harping on them. I just find it very interesting because- (laughs) That's all interesting. It it, it is very interesting. And it's also very telling. Um, And I'm not interested in the person who's only experienced one or two things in their lifetime and how they've done it. I'm interested in people who've actually gone out and experienced a lot of different ways of doing things and want to share that with people um, and want to pass that on. And we, we are designed biologically to literally- share information. That is what every cell in our body reverberates. And I think that we, you know, obviously genetically we can pass that on, right? But we also have the
0: ability to pass on ideas and share things. Oh, the evolution timeline, man, you, you yeah. nailed it. At 60,000 years ago, there was an extreme uh, spike in population and survival rate. Mm-hmm. And the the uh, the biologists, evolutionary biologists believe it was due to um, being able to pass information on better from generation to generation. So they're getting older, they're yep. succeeding, they got their food things down, their, their hunting methods. Yeah. But the fact that they could share more information was, the, was attributed to the spike. 100%. Yeah. And here 100%. we are today, man, doing are. podcasts, yeah. YouTube, Yep. And uh, social media, and hopefully the collective consciousness will grow, especially, you know, my heart goes out to the endurance community, man. I loved it. It was my life. It was my identity when I was a kid. I have a lot of shows in the bank here talking about how, mm-hmm. you know, I had to get over myself starting as a professional athlete, thinking that this was the end all and the life or death matter. And I was so intense and competitive and that was how I needed to be. And then you get punched in the face a few times and you have to wake up and go, oh, okay, oh, I was supposed to have fun during the training and the process and and fight that battle on the starting mm. line without that tension and anxiety and that shanting palo breathing right yeah <laughs> yeah instead yeah. of the deep diaphragmatic breathing there you go you know that body mind sport book john duillard it was published like in 1998 or something and one of the tidbits he said was try going out there and running uh, with your mouth closed and breathing through your nose and mm-hmm. pulling that deep diaphragmatic breath through the through the yeah. nose yeah. and now now here we are here we are hitting that hard.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's literally what we have all athletes doing is understanding that concept. And, and I mean, you, you can go back and look at when Spartans were doing that. They were, they were, <laughs> they, they were having their children do things like that. There are, there are tribal communities in Africa that have, you know, rituals where, you know, kids are supposed to go through the desert with a glass of water in their mouth and they're supposed to fill up that same glass at the end of it. And, you know, there's, you know, All of this stuff is starting to really, that information's finally been curated. I mean, dude, there was a guy who wrote a book in 1867 about this stuff, uh, but it it was called Shut Your Mouth and Save Your Life. And he literally observed over a million indigenous people in North and South America. And the difference, the biggest difference that he saw between the indigenous people and civilized man was that civilized man had his mouth open all the time, slept with his mouth open, did everything with his mouth open, and the and the indigenous folks literally would sleep with the mouth closed. They'd hunt with their mouth closed. They wouldn't talk a lot. When they mm-hmm. did talk, they meant something to you know. They were doing. It was very. It's a very quick little interesting read, and it's not scientifically backed. But the fact is,
0: now it is today. Yeah. Huh? Today, oh
1: yeah, and yeah. I mean we're about to jump into some research projects ourselves directly in the human performance world based on performance with this stuff and to show what we've been seeing so
0: that we're actually really validating a lot of this stuff. And
1: we're a part of that process.
0: Well, shoot, yoga has been, okay, yoga's kind of new, right? 3,000 or 4,000 years old. Yeah. And now we're getting that, why is breathing such a central element to that? Yeah. And getting great science with the different parts of the brain lighting up when you're into deep breathing. And you got it. What about the, what about the... um, the hot and cold, man. Let's finish off yeah. with, with some of that stuff. Cause I'm a, I'm a recent uh, enthusiast. Oh, I got, awesome. a, I got on the phone with K star and he gave me the, the full rundown. Then I, uh-huh. I played the voicemail on one of my shows about cold therapy. Because uh-huh. he said, you know, like you go in there for a few minutes. If you start shivering, get the fuck out. If you're in there longer, you're just showing off man. And all yeah. that kind of good stuff. Yeah, yeah. But um, something's, something's uh, besides the Boost of norepinephrine and mm-hmm. the increased oxygen in blood. There's something that you're you're tapping you're you're expressing this idea a lot too. That there's something beyond that, like the focus, resilience, the, the the peacefulness of the experience.
1: Yeah, yeah. We I mean we use the cold to really show people what it's like to be in those high stress situations again. If if you've never really been in an, in, a, in an ice bath where you're down to your neck, um, it, it's you know it's a shocking. Experience. I watched two kids do it today you know, for the first time they wanted to. Um, and their father was there and they stuck their arm in and they said it wasn't that cold. And so we said, all right, well, why don't you get in? And they got in and literally started hyperventilating instantaneously and it changed their entire reaction and they jumped out, right? Less than a minute, which is perfectly fine. And that's exactly what you should do. Like you should get out if you're really freaking out. But if we could teach you how to deal with that situation in a different way, and then you were able to connect the dots into any stressful situation to be able to control that situation. That is an, that is a tool that is there for the rest of your life to a large degree. And obviously the breathing and, and something we're we're really now getting into is, you know, some of the visual um, components of stuff, because you can do things with your, your, your um, ocular nerve is the fastest nerve to your brain. So you, you know, what you see, mm. if you can see, if you have vision is literally the first thing that, that can change things. And, and and one of the quick analogies on this is like, look, if I'm looking at a sunset, am I freaking out and stressing out um, or I'm watching a sunrise or I'm out in nature and I'm seeing the mountains? Do I, do, do you see people going damn it, this sucks. Can't get service out here. No, and and there's a good reason for that. and And it's mathematical. And it's literally your visual system is peripheral and I see everything. So I can see my hands out here to the side. So I'm looking out at the horizon and I can now shift myself into more of a parasympathetic tone or downshift myself. I'm calm. I'm signaling for my body to be calm. The light at sunset, Your brain knows what that light means over the course of our history of a species because of what that light does. It triggers things in your body to go time to start to calm down and go to bed. And then that light in the morning does the same thing and says time to wake up and start the day. So for you travelers out there, those are probably two of the most important things you can do. But back to the cold, if I'm in the cold and I'm actually focused hyperly on something in front of me, think about being on your phone. What's going on? What's going on? Oh my God, the likes. I got to type this message like, boom, I got hit by a car because I'm not paying attention, right? And how many times does that happen a day? All the time. You know, people are on their phones. You're, you're distracted. You're in a highly focused state. You're sympathetic dominant, right? Mm. Then if we actually can introduce maybe some breathing stuff and you've got some nasal breathing because if you nasal breathe, you're actually tapping into the parasympathetic, more of the parasympathetic branch of your vagus nerve, Right. And then you're actually calming the system down to some degree, slow the breathing down. We teach people, you know, largely it's what I like to do is, you know, you get 10 breaths when you get in the cold. And when you first start that, those 10 breaths are probably going to happen in a minute. Right. You know, Um, but if you get really good at this, it's probably going to last well over five minutes And, and, and that can happen if you can really start to teach yourself how to do, or you use specific breathing patterns, which, you know, yoga has been using specific patterns for four or 5,000 years. Um, And they've, they've understood these concepts to a large degree. So just introducing respiration into something where you know you're freaking out or you're, you know, even if you're working out and you're pushing it really hard, well, what's going on with your breathing? What if you controlled your breathing a little differently? What would happen? And boom, all of a sudden you've got athletes who are like, Oh wow! I've got the different gear here, yeah, because you're not letting yourself get out of control and you've you know you're not going past that. and so I think the cold is a really good teacher with that and and on the flip side of that, you' got the heat, and so mm-hmm. you've got something that can really start to open things up and allow you to feel things in a different way. The heat's always been used as a spiritual tool, right? Um, you know many cultures use it for you know not just um, you hear about sweat lodges and deep stuff like that, but you've got all these Nordic countries that have been using it for hundreds, if not thousands of years where they, I mean, you don't have actually running water in the winter up there. So You're not really bathing. So, this is the only real way to do it. So, it's a very cleansing process as well, right? So, add breathing to that, where 70% of the toxins that are in your body are actually removed through respiration. Mm -hmm. So, you could sweat all you want and think you're cleansing yourself, but it's not really that much. 30% is you're talking sweat, spit, defecation, urination. Um, Those are, that's all combined 30%, where respiration becomes that large detoxifier. And you can add that into. Part of your day, and wow, it's weird. You feel better. Um, You want to remove your, uh, you know, potential to have heart disease when you're older. Get in a sauna three times a week. Mm -hmm. You've just dropped it fifty percent.
0: Are you tying in the breathing exercises with both cold and hot exposure as a necessary hand in hand?
1: Not necessary, but I think they are a hand in hand. Uh, We we will teach the cold with a breathing specific breathing. Um, The heat, you know. we, we do. Um, it's not necessary, but it, it enhances it. Like holding a breath pattern for 15, 20 minutes in the sauna, you know, can be interesting. And you start to see when, you're, when your brain's getting a little too hot and things are getting mm. too hot and, you know, it, you, your respiration rate wants mm-hmm. to change, yet mm-hmm. you're not moving. And so stress is stress, man. Mm-hmm. You know, you really learn. You can yeah.
0: learn a lot. Oh my gosh. I I, <clears throat> I find the, the cold plunge is my best opportunity to meditate because yeah. go in there and I take my 20 deep diaphragmatic breaths that will last of varying length. I mm-hmm. just finished 20. And sometimes I'll just exhale and sit there for 12 seconds or something mm-hmm. and, you know, getting better over time. But I remember one time I went out there because it's habitual. I do it every day and I had a podcast going yeah. and I'm like, oh, I'll just listen to the podcast. And I froze in there. <laughs> it was completely different than my ritual, which connected that deep breathing and that, uh, you know, that Um, getting into that parasympathetic state where I can handle this and I'm I'm completely focused on what's going on versus blah, blah, some podcast is going. And I jumped in and I remember my hands were tingling and my feet were tingling. And I I got out and and turned the thing off Mm -hmm. and then started over. So that was a big insight that you got to be prepared for what's going on in there and and, and address it.
1: Big time. I
0: I think... It's very important to be
1: aware of what's going on. And like, I, I've watched plenty of people who think that going into an ice bath for 10 minutes is a great idea. And they for, for no other reason than just trying to man through 10 minutes of an ice bath. And then later that day, they're still purple or blue. And it's like, you know what hypothermia does? It means you failed. <laughs> like it, it means you didn't. You're not going to respond to this. You're not creating an adaptive process to this. Mm. You know, um, hypothermia is not the game. But you know, get getting to that shiver response is actually a good thing. You know, your shiver response means that you're at that first stage and you're actually kicking on a gene that can help with a lot of stuff. Um, Strength wise, you know, mm. uh, you'll see. You know, you can see upticks um, from what I understand and testosterone, um, through proper cold training. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of benefits to the whole thing. Um, you know, your ability to actually buffer off the cold. Like, I mean, I went into the ocean, um, a couple of years ago, just do some body surfing in the middle of winter here. And I didn't have my wetsuit on and I, it was probably, I don't know, 58 degrees or something. I was out there for 45 minutes. and Didn't even realize I had been out there for, for 45 minutes. And like, like, whoa, what happened? Like, this, like, the water was cold, and it didn't really affect me. Like, there were, like, I'm usually in a wetsuit. This cold, you know, and
0: that wasn't happening. Yeah, you condition yourself, <clears throat> I suppose. The same for the heat exposure if you're going to go do an athletic uh, endeavor in 100. Oh, uh, if you're, if yeah. you,
1: if you're, especially if you're an endurance athlete of any sort, heat training. I don't know why you would not be doing it regardless so, of even if you're going to be mm-hmm. in hot space or not.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the recovery benefits and the muscle building, Rhonda Patrick's doing intensely scientific shows about this stuff, yeah. where they're, they're showing these people get fitter just from, uh, I guess they're getting a cardiovascular response too. They're doing an aerobic workout totally. in the totally. sauna. Yeah. literally yeah. Heat shock yeah.
1: proteins. I mean, yeah. that's, you get that to happen on an, in an endurance, you know, workout.
0: Okay, man, we covered a, we did it. A, a pie slice of all the great stuff you got going on, but where can we where can we go and, and get more into this stuff?
1: Uh, powerspeedendurance.com. Um, com. we've got our courses on there, art of breath. Um, we've got our you know we've got all of our stuff on breath work, cold exposure, heat exposure, um, training, the methodology the, the methodologies behind everything, um, all the principles behind all of the stuff we're doing. Um, we've got training programs on there. Um, all of it's there.
0: Right. Uh, I noticed you have a little bite-sized intro. You can get cold and hot uh, education for yeah 15 bucks or 15 something. 15 bucks. And we've you're good got to go. we got a whole slew of yeah. information on Same how to breathing. do it. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Yeah. All right. Brian McKenzie here at the nice day on the beach.
1: Thanks for having me, Brad.
0: Right on. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hey, have you heard of genetic testing by now? You probably have. Yes, for the first time in history, we are able at a simple and affordable transaction to basically spit into a plastic tube, mailed off and find out what your genes are all about. I love working with dnafit.com because it's so simple. You get a wonderful infographic report, which is easy to understand. You don't have to wade through a lot of science. Yes, you're going to get a detailed printout of many, many pages talking about the interactions of the various genes that are present and expressed in your body or not and how that affects your health. But the one-page infographic, that's when we're really talking because you can get actionable tips and insights that you have an elevated need for. Vitamin D, that you have a low tolerance for alcohol or a high tolerance for caffeine or lactose or omega 3s or antioxidants, the most important and life changing insight. That I received from my DNA fit test was that my genetics reveal a muscular makeup that's 54% power and strength and only 46% endurance. In other words, I was banging my head against the wall as an endurance athlete for years and years, training in a manner that was not optimally aligned with my genetic predispositions. Don't waste 20 years like I did not knowing what your genetics are all about when it comes to your dietary habits and exercise protocol. And because DNA Fit loves the Get Over Yourself podcast, they have created a special super duper 30% discount off of all their products just by entering the code G-O-Y-30 when you're checking out. And if you have already ordered the fun, exciting Ancestry.com package, a great gift idea, where you can get your family involved and everyone sends in their spit sample and you can get your ancestry. I'm 46% Ireland and 44% uh, England, Western Europe. I'm a pure breed. I don't know if that's good or bad. With dogs, it's bad. Probably with humans, not great either. But I am what I am, said Popeye and I, and my sister, my brother, my mom and dad all have our fun reports to look and see all this cool stuff at Ancestry.com, so check them out. But if you did an Ancestry.com report, or if you've done a 23andMe genetic report, the new technology allows DNA Fit to pull from the same central database and produce their fitness, health, diet, exercise, genetic infographic for much less cost because you've already gone through the DNA sequencing from the other sources. So check that out on DNAfit.com and leverage what you may have already done or get started with DNA Fit and get your diet and exercise right with that awesome 30% discount, G-O-Y-30. Hey listeners, here's a wild idea eat good, clean, delicious, sustainably raised meat. That's why we're going to talk about Wild Idea Buffalo, 100% grass-fed and finished meat. These are animals that lived a fabulous, healthy life out there on the great plains of South Dakota. Look at their website, wildideabuffalo.com, and the homepage picture is going to blow your mind. These beautiful animals out grazing, and you... Probably know or have a basic awareness of the distinct contrast between the horrible, miserable feedlot existence of the conventionally raised animal, a grain based diet filled with hormones, pesticides, antibiotics, and a body filled with stress hormones when they slaughter it violently. You may not want me to go deeper here, but I will anyway. this is a quote from Jared chrisman, primal health coach who 's in tight with the wild idea Buffalo people introduced us. Thank you, Jared. He says, slaughterhouse animals have been taken out of their natural environment and trailered to a feedlot where they stand in their own feces eating corn grain. And in some instances, expired human food like cookies and candy, sometimes with the wrapper still on. Then once the animals are sufficiently fattened up, they trailer them again, putting them under more stress, and they put them in shoots and kill them in mass quantities without regard to the animal's well-being. So this concept of having stress hormones running through the bloodstream as any hunter will tell you is bad news. If you don't get a clean shot on an animal and it suffers before it dies, you're going to have a meat that doesn't taste as good and has has less nutritional value. Then we have the contrast of the natural life of the wild idea buffalo, whose diet is basically water, grass, and sunshine. And supporting this goal of sustainability. They call it Beyond Organic, the company's mission to let them graze on the pasture, not ruin the native lands of America, but just be in harmony with the environment. And when you taste an animal that's been sustainably raised, you will notice a difference. Even if you're a less sophisticated consumer like me, who just eats food for energy my whole life and goes out there and trains, of course, a little different now. But when I consume a pastured egg with that bright orange yolk, or when I bite into a grass-fed steak or some buffalo burger, which is one of the greatest meals, so simple to prepare. Try it yourself. Give them a chance. I know you will be extremely pleased with the quality of food that you get from wildideabuffalo.com. Here's what you do. Follow Brad's instructions carefully. Visit wildideabuffalo.com and hit the order button. They have organized everything for you with beautiful pictures. Click on monthly specials, try their bundles so you get free shipping. If you're on a budget, hit the ground bison and burger section. They have all these different flavors and packages. And if you have pets and you care about them, You'll click on the pet food section and order up for those beautiful animals too. They deserve to eat healthy food instead of garbage in a bag. Wildideabuffalo.com. Check it out today. Thank you for listening.